Spring isn't the only reason that fresh air is predominant. The Pete Golding era of Ole Miss football is about to begin. This is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in, and thank you for making the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. That beautiful, fresh air that is coming in is not just the beginning of spring, the season. It is also the fact that Pete Golding is going to be around Ole Miss football, and spring practice starts today. And Pete Golding is going to bring a defense that is unlike anything we've seen in the last few years. I'm looking forward to what will happen. His defense is between a 4-2-5 and a 3-3-5, and a lot of that depends on what they do with what they call the jack position. This might be something that he evolved to once he got to Alabama and that um, Nick Saban system, but that's kind of what happens with the defense. There's a lot of consternation amongst Alabama fans about how good Pete Golding is. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that instead of first in the country in defense, all of a sudden he was 10th. And there were wonders like, well, is he actually worse than what Jeremy Pruitt or what Kirby Smart was? No, what happened during that time frame is Alabama's offense went through a rejuvenation. And whenever the offense gets explosive, whenever you score quicker, whenever time of possession is not a thing, whenever field position is not a thing, your defense is going to suffer for it. And this defense still finished pretty regularly in the top 10. Their deficient efficiency numbers are perfectly fine. The defense as a whole played very well. They were dangerous. They were feared by opponents. Did they give up some yardage? Yeah, it will happen. But it also is going to do the f- with the fact that the offense was so dominant during that period. People are going to talk all the time. as like, hey, in 2020, during the COVID year, the Pete Golding defense at Alabama was like 30th in the country. But they also failed to mention that the offense was potentially the most dominant offense in the history of college football. Those two things are related. You cannot be super elite at both of them. Nobody can do that. There's not enough players in the country to do that. You can be really, really good at both if that is your goal. But if you want to be super elite on offense or on defense, you can really only do one or the other. So whenever they decided to go all in on offense and the Tua era and the Jalen Hurts era and the Mac Brown era was happening at Alabama, the defense is going to suffer a little bit because of how explosive that offense was, how little they played field position anymore, how they were willing to take chances offensively. That was going to affect the other side of the ball. You hear the term all the time, complimentary football, complimentary football. Well, a super elite offense or a super elite defense is not complimentary football because they're going to intentionally put the other at a disadvantage. That's just the way it is. But now that Pete Golding is at Ole Miss and we're installing off of a defense that was 3-2-6 last year, Chris Partridge had a scheme together that resembled a lot of what John Haycock did at Iowa State. 
and a little bit of the stuff that he, he kind of put in that may or may not have worked. We'll just leave it at that. And defensive line play, one interior defensive lineman on the Chris Parcher's defense, two true defensive ends, 4-3 type defensive ends, 260-pound guys, two linebackers, and the Ole Miss situation, Troy Brown, who is a really good player. I'm not bad-mouthing Troy Brown in the slightest, but he was 215 pounds, soaking wet. And then you had Austin Keys, who, honestly, it was the first year that he managed to stay healthy. Now he's gone to Auburn, so it doesn't really matter. But one interior defensive lineman, two defensive ends, and two linebackers. It was almost a 1-4 defense they were playing. That's my point. This team, though, was built to play three down. They just were. If you look at the 2D depth chart, they just were. Last year, you had Katie Hill, and then you had J.J. Pegues at nose guard. Those were the interior defensive linemen. Well, those two, Katie Hill is going to graduate, but J.J. Pegues is going to move out to a three or a five technique, depending on whether or not they're doing three-man or four-man. Then you have Joshua Harris, a transfer from NC State. Savion Harris, the young freshman that played quite a bit last year at nose guard, going to be fantastic. You have people like Jamon Gordon, Tyron, Tyron Malone, yeah, Tywan Malone, um, Cedric Johnson, Jared Ivey. There's players to play the front that Pete Golden needs to play, and that is, that is fantastic. Because there's a chance this defensive line was going to be completely ate up. And when people look at what they did last year and and assumed it was a talent issue and not necessarily a physics issue, I could see why there would be a lot of concern from people. But this defensive line has a chance to be fine. You look at linebacker, you got Jeremiah Jean-Patiste. You got Monty Montgomery. You have Ashanti Seastrunk. And then you have young guys like Tyler Banks. Um... White from Arkansas. Good players. Linebacker has a chance to be okay, but that is going to be an unbelievable competition in the spring, and nobody is going to talk about that. You're not going to hear it from anybody, but Ashanti Seastrunk versus Monty Montgomery, it's going to be the real deal. I think Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste is going to have Tyler Banks as his backup. That's the reason. But Seastrunk versus Montgomery, will be interesting to keep tabs on. If people remember Montgomery whenever Ole Miss played in Louisville, this is a guy that before he got a targeting problem uh, penalty was a problem for Ole Miss's offense. And if he can play like that moving forward, he has a chance to do some fairly special things as almost a will-type linebacker. I'm also curious of uh, how Centarian Perkins is going to be moving forward, how many tackles he's going to have, how is he going to play, are they going to put him out at the, quote, husky position? the um, linebacker, defensive back, or will he be in that linebacker room in earnest? Really exceptional football player. This is a player that has dominated every football field he has stepped on. And that includes down in Orlando when he's at the Under Armour game. A true linebacker. Raleigh had no business winning the state championship. He made sure it happened because he was a super elite athlete. Really, really great players. And the defensive backfield, I'm not going to worry too much about them because for two years, over half of our defense have been defensive backs. 
I think depth-wise, they're going to be able to find players that can do the different things that they want done. Free safety could be a little bit of an issue with A.J. Finley moving off to graduation. But otherwise, you know, Yaisim Young, Taishim, Aishim Young, um, Ladarius Tennyson, you know, potentially Deshaun Gaddis if he gets his grades in the summer, John Saunders, um, Walton, DeAndre Prince at corner, we're pretty set. But I think free safety could be the thing to pay attention to in the spring. But now that you know all the players and, and the way it's situated in this Pete Golding system, you can see that the system's going to be very important going into this. I've heard rumors that they're only going to have three open spring practices the whole spring. Everything else is going to be shut down. Now, there are three or four, something like that. And that's going to be fantastic. I think the first practice, I'm going to see if the Grove Report guy, John Gillespie, will be there. I'll talk to him just a little bit, actually. Um, and then day, from the Dalen Show, that's his Twitter handle, Dalen is going to be there the last three practices to kind of let us know what's going on. He gets to be the eyes um, on the practice where I can't be there, but he can. And he'll be able to have keep an eye on. We're going to have him watch. What is this defense doing? How are they doing? Are they hyper-aggressive? You know, are they almost exploding forward like he did at UTSA to try and create explosive plays? Or, or if it isn't like Alabama, to where he's willing to catch a little bit because of how talented the defense is. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be really interesting to see. Anyway, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up right now, and the perfect time to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, America's number one sportsbook, is now. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if you don't win your first bet. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Yes, I understand that in Mississippi, you have to go to a brick-and-mortar casino via state law. But if you visit New Orleans, if you visit Delta, Louisiana, if you have to go over to Monroe, Louisiana, if you go up to Tennessee, Memphis, Jackson, Nashville, you can use the FanDuel Sportsbook. That will be available to you. So what you can download it now. You can go there to FanDuel.com slash on right now to get that started so it'll be ready to go whenever you get up there. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to threes drain. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss out on your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It's an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. Now that March Madness is heating up, they have everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. And also, Locked On Women's College Basketball is an option for you as well. And I imagine Coach Yo and the Lady Rebels are a major storyline on that program. That's Locked On Women's College Basketball if you want to check that out as well. Coach Yo 
had been slowly building since her first year going 0-16. There was a game we talk about all the time that it was at halftime. It was like 52-8 versus South Carolina. This basketball program was almost below Division I level basketball program whenever she arrived. Coach O came here from Jacksonville. She's originally from the Bahamas, and you would not think somebody from Bahamas would fit in so seamlessly in Oxford, Mississippi, but she has. And she does it through relentlessly marketing her program to say thank you, to go ahead and out, out, outreach to people that say nice things about her program because she's appreciative of them. She's reached out to me two or three times just to say thank you for following it. And as this has built over the last few years, this year it had gotten to the point where before the South Carolina and LSU game, we had Brantley um, Sanderson on the show, and he talked about, hey, the only thing that's left to do is to win one of these games. That's the, le- that's the place where Coach Yo is. It's not that she couldn't win those games. It's just they hadn't earned the right yet to win those games or at least they haven't de- demonstrated that they could. Because those games, in especially in women's basketball, are extremely difficult because there is a gap that goes down from the super elite schools to even the secondary schools. Like, if you are ranked 15th in the country, the gap between that and number one is greater than any other of the big four sports. It's just the way it is. So winning those games against those teams are major steps. If you don't do it, you're not the only person that's not winning them. But it is a major indicator of where this program is. They played LSU very tough to the end. LSU was able to win in Baton Rouge. Then they get South Carolina and they take that game to overtime. South Carolina wins the game in overtime. Southeastern Conference, they get South Carolina again. And you sit there and they were able to win that one fairly easily. And you're like, okay, we are getting close. We are in the ballpark of where we want to be, but we're not quite there yet. Ole Miss gets an eight seed. And whenever Ole Miss got an eight seed, I thought, oh, man, the Lady Rebs are completely underseeded. They've been underranked all year. This, this is, should, be a, should have been a top 25 team. This should have been a five seed type team. That, that's just the way they've played all year. They're, they're like 24-8 and eight right now, and half of their losses are to the top five. It, this is a good basketball team. But for whatever reason, whether it's coaches or media people trying to vote in the poll, they never rank them during the season. So Ole Miss didn't get their respect even though they have 24 wins, even though half their losses, it seems like, are to the top five. Just is what it is. So... Stanford obviously came into this game and was completely okay. This is a 1-8 game. This is the game we were supposed to have. This is the game we're supposed to win. It's on our home floor. We should handle this. We've got two All-Americans on our team and one of the winningest basketball women's basketball coaches of all time coaching the team. We're going to win this game. Nice of you to stop by Ole Miss. Thank you. Well, something happened Sunday night. And that was... The first three quarters, Ole Miss absolutely punched them in the mouth. And Stanford was flustered. 
So much so that at the end of the game, Stanford only scored 49 points. This is a team that defends. They, their motto is, we defend. And they are so super stingy. And national analysts all over the country are talking about how, you know, if Ole Miss can get past the Texas-Louisville game, they have a chance to be awkward moving forward to teams because of the way they play the game. Now, one thing that I am a little bit concerned of, but I'm not as concerned because Ole Miss was able to win the game. Ole Miss scored one basket in the fourth quarter. The rest were free throws. And they played tight. They almost waited for Stanford to come back and do something. And like I said, this is just a situation of them not having been there before. This is just a situation of them not ever winning one of those games. But that fourth quarter was, it was palpable, and that allowed the Cardinal to get back into the game. And, you know, at the end, it took basically them defending. They won the game with their defense because they defend. They'll tell you that. They defend. And they won it on the defensive side of the ball because it doesn't matter if you're tight on the defensive side of the ball. If you do that well, you can make up so much for everything else. If shots are not falling directly, you can make up. I think Ole Miss won 54-49. to Wasn't the prettiest game in the world, but it was the first time in like 14 years that a top seed lost in the first two rounds. So it was really impressive. And congratulations to Coach Yo and the girls. John Gillespie is going to come on the show next segment. We're going to continue to talk about this game. We're also going to talk about the sweep in Nashville, and we're going to talk about spring practice. But congratulations to Coach Yo and her girls. Um, They played absolutely a fantastic ball game. Nice little stressful fourth quarter, but um, I enjoyed that very much. We're going to have Brantley Wade, um, Brantley Sanderson, come on the show. Uh, I think he'll be on Thursday's show to talk about the Sweet 16, and we're just going to wait for Louisville and Texas to be decided um, to talk about that. So it should be pretty great. But coming up next, we're going to talk to John Gillespie from the Grove Report. Stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, mash that subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, comment down below and upvote the video itself. I'm here with John Gillespie from the Grove Report. They've been doing fantastic work over there at the website, and they have a lot of stuff to talk about now. You've got a Sweet 16 run by the Lady Revs. Vanderbilt has sweeped, swept Ole Miss baseball to the point where now Ole Miss has fallen to, I think, 13th and D1. And spring starts today. Now, I'm not talking about the season. I'm talking about the one that matters, spring football. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm doing absolutely fantastic. Stayed up, watched that nerve-wracking basketball game to where Ole Miss scored one basket in the fourth quarter and won the game. It still blows my mind a little bit. But they were able to get the W. They moved to the Swick 16. Honestly, it's an area where they used to live back when Van Chancellor was running the Lady Rebs. Coach O is getting them back to that point. Um, they have we, We're recording this before Texas and Louisville play, so we don't know what the opponent will be. But talk about this team a little bit and what it means. Well, I think, um, you know, you mentioned that the success they had, uh, you know, those 
you know, a decade or two ago. Um, of course, when I was in school, which I say that like it was so long ago uh, at Ole Miss, but um, this team was a doormat, right? I mean, that's what this program had kind of turned into was a doormat in the SEC. And I think that the the rise that Coach Joe has been able to put on this program, I mean, she was given time to do it, but it has been really fast. I mean, based on going from pretty much the worst program in the SEC to now you're one of the last 16 teams remaining in the big dance. I mean, I think that's incredible. And I think that, um, you know, the community of Oxford, the Ole Miss community has really bought into Coach Joe's personality. Um, and I think that's helped them buy into this program because she's very straightforward, right? I mean, in, in her interviews and stuff, she gives great quotes. I mean, she's very straightforward, very energetic. Um, and I, I think it's huge because, you know, with the weekend that baseball had and, you know, the season that bas- that men's basketball had, um, you know, it was, it was a really good time, I think, for Ole Miss fans to have something pretty historic happen um, over, over the weekend. Yeah, um, like I said, we're recording before Louisville and Texas play, but that's either a four or a five seed that Ole Miss is going to get. And I talked about in the segment before this one about how women's basketball is a little bit diff- a different animal. Like the top two seeds are really good. The super elite, it's amazing. And then once you get below that, there's a gap that's probably bigger than any other sport. So anytime you can knock off a number one seed, it is a major deal and you need to kind of write home about it. And honestly, this was a situation whenever Ole Miss came close against LSU. Ole Miss came close against South Carolina. South Carolina got him again in the SEC tournament. But it was like the only thing that was left for Coach Yo to do was to start winning some of these games. And now that has started as well. Yeah, and, you know, I I think that – I think at least from the fan base perspective, I think that most people believed that she was able to win these games – but to actually see it happen is something completely different, right? And um, now, like you said, I mean, the, the, the Ole Miss program has reached that point. And I, I really like the point you made that, yes, women's basketball is so different than, you know, even men's basketball as far as the one and two seeds are concerned because those are historically dominant programs usually, and especially dominant in that, in that season alone. Um, so it's, it's a huge deal. And the fact that it came on Stanford's home floor makes it even bigger. Yeah. Let's change gears a little bit, um, for a little bit of bad news, honestly, um, Ole Miss, the defending national champions, which I always like to say that every week, um, defending national champions went up to Vanderbilt and they got swept. Um, Vanderbilt came out their pitcher on Thursday night. The lefty was just absolutely awesome. He was throwing 95 on the black. Um, they pitched the heck out of the ball all weekend, kind of took control, never relinquished it. Um, either Vanderbilt is actually the 27 Yankees or we just had a really bad weekend. What, what do you think, John? I do think Vanderbilt's really good. Um, mm. I don't think they're the 27 Yankees, but uh, I do think they're they're really talented. And, um, you know, I guess that's kind of some really hard-hitting analysis there that Vanderbilt has some – some solid arms, right? Like we've never seen that before. Yeah, it's um, completely new. Yeah, but uh, I do think they are a very good team, and I think Ole Miss had a bad weekend, right? Which, yes, a sweep is always a bad thing for your team, but at the same time, you know, I think myself and some other people, um, whether they be fans or media or whoever, thought that there would be some growing pains this year. And once Hunter Elliott went down, you know, and 
hopefully he's he's kind of on the mend a little bit. But once he went down, you know, those those growing pains were going to be even more noticeable. And um, so I think this weekend was a little bit of that. I don't think it's time to push a panic button or anything on this season. Um, this team can still hit. They, you know, the, the freshman arms are going to have to grow up um, throughout the course of the year, which we already kind of knew that anyway. But, um, again, I, I think it's one bad weekend. And baseball is such a sport that you can't you can't take just one weekend and then write off the entire season, right? Because I mean, we saw that case in point last year when Ole Miss started. I believe it was seven and fourteen in SEC play and wound up winning the national championship. So um, there's definitely some work to do. Some some young guys that are going to have to step up and improve as the year goes on. But um, all in all, I think it's just one bad weekend. All right, let's change gears again. It's the first day of spring practice today. Um, debut of Pete Golding. Um, big, huge, massive spring for Jackson Dart, as we saw on yesterday's Locked On Ole Miss broadcast. And we also, Spencer Sanders is supposedly going to start throwing the ball in spring. And, of course, Walker Howard, who's a dark horse, because if neither one of those impressed during spring, I think in the fall Walker Howard has a legit chance to do it. What storylines are you looking forward to this spring? So really there's two things and they, they sound a little bit like cop out answers because I think they're kind of big picture, but um, I think it's probably the two most important questions facing the program right now. And that's one, yes, quarterback, who's, who's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, I'm a quarterback guy, love covering quarterbacks, love watching quarterbacks. Um, They become kind of the face of your program a little bit. And I think that Ole Miss you know, obviously is going to have to figure that out. I mean, that's breaking news right there. But um, that's something I'm really interested to see. You know, is it, like you said, is Spencer Sanders going to be able to throw? Um, and if so, how much? Uh, what do they look like in, in the system? Has Dart taken a step? Um, things of that nature. And then, two, the flip side, like you said, what does Pete Golding's defense look like? I, I wrote, uh, I believe it was yesterday, that um, – you know, his 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 scheme is going to look different than what we saw a season ago. Um, and where, where does he plug and play some of these pieces, whether they be returning guys or whether they be guys that Kiffin secured out of the transfer portal? Um, you know, and, and just seeing kind of what that product looks like on the field a little bit, um, that, that's going to be the two things I watch closely. And, and I'm an offensive-minded guy, so the quarterbacks will stand out to me more, I think. Um, but I will be – you know, paying paying special close attention to the defense as well. All right, what do you think about only the Saturday practices being opening open to the media? Uh, personally, it doesn't bother me. Um, I I'm not one that just loves to go and sit at these these practices because really it's uh, some of them are very vanilla and they're working on a lot of things, working out kinks, ironing out wrinkles, so to speak. Um, I'm, I'm not one that really gains a lot from that. Um, but I do also understand that with a new coordinator, especially on defense, with a new coordinator there, um, maybe not wanting everything to be open, like, you know, every, every single practice to be open. I do, I do get that. Um, so, and I mean, that's kind of the world we live in, right? I mean, things are, things like this are secretive until they can't be anymore. And, uh, so, you know, that's just something we kind of have to deal with. But from a media perspective, it, it doesn't really bother me. 
Okay. Also, before we get out of here, um, stick around afterwards. Um, I have a question for you as well. But anyway, I want to tell everybody, thank you again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. We also have a Locked On Women's College Basketball, by the way. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much, John for stopping by, man, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Absolutely. Always a joy, Stephen. Thank you. All right. Thanks, bud.